Welcome to Ask Peggy About Your Finances, because prosperity is so much more than money. Brought to you by writer, speaker, and certified financial planner, Peggy Doviak. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Hello and welcome to the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak and I'm a certified financial planner practitioner and a personal finance author. This is a show to help you understand your money. We've got some really interesting topics today. We're going to talk about the debt ceiling deadline. We're going to look at some changes in how financial information can be sent to you by financial companies. I'm going to read you the first chapter of my new book, 52 Weeks to Wellbeing. The name of the chapter is Look Up, Be Brave, and I'll tell you more when we get to the Plan Your Prosperity segment. And then finally, in the Ask Peggy question, I'm going to answer the question, should you celebrate Mother's Day? And I'm going to give you a tip in advance here. The answer is yes, but maybe not the way you think. So let's get started with the bulls and bears market and economic update. This is for the week ending May 5th, 2023. And it was basically a flat week in the market. There was a little bit of weirdness, especially given that everything had gone down so much for four of the days. And then Friday, was a giant 500-point rally in the Dow, and it helped everything kind of come back. But the Dow closed down about one and a quarter percent, and the S&P closed down about eight-tenths of a percent. The NASDAQ squeaked out again, and it closed up seven one-hundredths of a percent, so pretty flat. Gold was up a little over one and a half percent, and oil was down about 5.5%. And the price on Friday of that West Texas Intermediate Crude front month was $71.65. The 10-year Treasury yield also dropped to by 13.21%, and it is now at 3.44%. The dollar index went down about 8 tenths of a percent, And Bitcoin ended the week up 4%, but there was some strange Bitcoin news over the weekend that actually happened after I put my show together, but I want to talk a little bit about it. And just tell you, if you're in the cryptocurrency space, I would just keep an eye on this. So there is a cryptocurrency exchange called Binance, B-I-N-A-N-C-E, And they had to pause Bitcoin trading two times on Saturday because there were too many pending transactions, meaning that they just couldn't handle the selling that was being precipitated on the platform. Now, I don't know what that means, and I checked Bitcoin today and it is down 3.43% today. It's basically been on a downhill fall. Worse on Saturday, a little bit of a recovery on Sunday, but now worse again today. Does it mean very much? It probably doesn't, 
But so much has been going weird with some of these outlier investments that when I saw that, it was like, well, I can't do this show and not mention it at all. The bigger news story that is incredibly disturbing is that Janet Yellen, who is the Treasury Secretary, has announced that we may hit the debt ceiling by the 1st of June. And I want to remind you what the debt ceiling is because I know lots of news sources have been talking about it. And the ones that I've been listening to have also explained it. But people don't seem to understand that when we raise the debt ceiling, we are paying for things we already purchased. It's not having any role in the new budgeting process. It's fine to fight about a budget. This is simply saying, yes, we're going to raise our debt ceiling so that we can cover our debts. And if we were to actually default and it held for any period of time, there are many, many things that would be impacted. For example, any government salaries would be impacted. Any Social Security benefits would be impacted. The market, the last time this got close, dropped 17%. And that was in 2011, and it did it in two weeks. So if you're looking for that on a chart, you can look it up. If you look at the August of 2011 charts, you'll see that drop. Now, it did come back, but only when they raised the debt ceiling, solved the problem, and quit acting like this wasn't something they had to do. So it's incredibly critical that we raise the debt ceiling. And when it was raised under the last administration, it was raised with no strings attached. Right now, there is some interest in the part of House Republicans of putting a lot of strings on raising the debt ceiling. And the problem is, put strings on new spending. In the past, you raise the debt ceiling, you move on. It shouldn't be an object for debate. It shouldn't be an object to make political hay about. Because I don't think anybody understands how critical this is. You can't tap on a whole bunch of stuff that nobody wants and basically undo two years of an administration and say, hey, you know, we're, we're not going to do this unless you undo all these things. And it would have been just as wrong if the Democrats had done it under the Trump administration. It has nothing to do with my political affiliation either way. So... You just can't do it. You can't play a game. It's a really stupid game. And if we actually break this, then everybody's going to get badly hurt. We need a clean debt ceiling. It needs to be passed. Fight about anything you want. If you got to shut down the government to do it, do it. I mean, that's also sort of a weird thing to do. But if you need to shut down the government because you want to fight this fall about the new budget, go ahead and do it. In the meantime, you've simply got to raise the debt ceiling, and you've got to do it in a manner that does not just wreck everything. So we're going to watch it, she said, as early as June 1st. I've heard a lot of newscasters saying, oh, she said we're going to do this June 1st. That's not exactly what she said. What she said was this could happen as early as June 1st, and basically what it means is we're out of money. And once we're out of money, bills can't be paid. I think everybody who's ever run a budget understands that. And if you've got to pay the bills, you've got to pay the bills. So we'll watch this. 
I'm still incredibly hopeful that there's just a lot of posturing and they'll come to an agreement, but it is incredibly serious. So I'll keep an eye on it and keep you in the loop. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 and Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the legislative update of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And I try not to talk a lot about pending legislation. If you're a longtime listener of the show, you know I used to be very bad about it. And I'm getting better. I'm still not perfect, but I think this one's really important. And if you are inclined to be politically active, I think you need to know about this. So Wednesday of last week, which I think was about May 3rd, the House Financial Services Committee approved an act called the Improving, I'm sorry, Improving Disclosure for Investors Act, which would require the SEC to write a rule that permits all different kinds of investment companies like a regular investment company, something like a Schwab or Fidelity, a broker, an investment advisor, any kind of financial entity would have to be allowed to provide all of its communication in email. So right now, the electronic delivery is an opt-in. So you have to sign off and say, yes, I'm okay about everything being electronic. And if you don't, they have to send you paper. So this particular um, act would require that companies be allowed to send you electronic communication, whether you want it or not. Now, yes, of course, the financial services companies like it because then they don't have to pay for postage and email is easy and fast. And I understand in some parts of our society, it is the way that business is done. There's been some fairly strong opposition in the House I am going to tell you, and often I give you information and I don't offer an opinion. I'm going to offer an opinion on this one because I just think this is a terrible idea, like an absolutely terrible, horrible idea for two huge reasons. Number one, there are still vast swaths of the United States that do not have decent high-speed internet coverage. I know it's a goal. I know things are getting better, but I have some very good friends who live in rural areas and they have terrible internet service. So if something were timely and it got gummed up because there simply wasn't enough bandwidth or like a dear friend of mine, just half the time her internet just doesn't work and it may be out three or four days and she can call, but where she lives is a little town and internet is only offered by one little company in that little town. And when it's out, they just don't do anything. They wait for it to come back on. So this is going to put all of those people at risk. And before those of you who have high-speed internet, get a little cocky and say, well, how much money do those people have? More than you can possibly imagine. Because this same friend has brokerage accounts and does all kinds of financial business and has to have access to it. The second enormous crisis here is for senior citizens. 
Now, I have an 83-year-old aunt who is fabulous in nearly everything. And she has figured out how to text, and she has figured out how to read an email, and she has figured out how to look at Facebook. She does not, however, even own a computer. She does all of this on her phone and on a tablet. She does not know how to download documents. She does not know how to save them. And honestly, I don't really want to have to teach her to do it. So that if this does go through, I'm going to have to go and look at the email that she gets, forward it to my email so I can print it out on my computer. But, you know, not patting myself on my back, but my aunt's lucky because we live really close to each other. So if this goes through, she'll be fine. But there are countless senior citizens who have brokerage accounts, who have all kinds of financial transactions. These people have money. They just aren't tech savvy. And it's absolutely unfair to require them to have to download email stuff if they don't want it. In my own practice, about half of my seniors are great with it, and the other half request printed statements. So I just think this is not what we should be doing. I hope it dies in wherever it's going next. Right now it's just an act, and so I figure it won't live to see the light of day, and I hope it doesn't. And if you disagree with me, then feel free to contact your house member and say, hey, I think this is a great idea. But I'm going to reach out to my representative, my representative and just beg them to vote no on this because it's just going to hurt senior citizens too much. It's going to hurt rural Oklahoma too much, which my house member would care about. And then huge sections of the United States that just simply are not prepared for these legal, incredibly important documents. It's not like your friends sending you vacation pictures. This is data you've got to have to make decisions in a timely fashion. And if they're allowed to do it all by email, then people are not necessarily going to get the data that they need. So that's my soapbox for the day. Usually I try to kind of stay off the soapbox, but I'm not afraid to jump up on this one because I don't want to have to sort out my aunt's email every week. I have a very self-serving reason to not want this to go through, and I think lots of you are in the same situation, and then lots of senior citizens and lots of rural people don't have anybody that they can count on to help them sort this out if it goes through. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Plan Your Prosperity segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And today I thought I'd have a little fun. My new book, 52 Weeks to Wellbeing, what a Woman Needs to Know to Be Queen of Her Finances is coming out later this month. I think it's going to release on May 23rd. I will have absolute information for you guys prior to then. In the meantime, it is still not available for pre-order. 
because Amazon has a listing up there that looks like it's also in Italian and German. That is not the one you want to order. So don't listen to this and then go to Amazon and order it because it'll cause you to order something that's going to come down. Then the orders get lost. But I thought today I'd read you the first chapter. And the name of this chapter is Look Up, Be Brave. And the story at the very beginning of this chapter is true. So as you listen to it, realize that this actually happened to me and I had to figure out how to fix it. The woman in my office looked down and she wouldn't meet my gaze. She twisted and untwisted the tissue in her hand as she told me that she felt like a financial failure. She knew she hadn't made great financial decisions and she didn't know where to start. She interviewed another financial advisor before our meeting, and he just tried to get her to open an investment account. She felt like that wasn't where she should start. She hoped I would offer a different perspective. My business had been open for about a month when the woman came into my office. As the meeting progressed, I was glad she had brought her own tissue. I didn't have any tissues in my office, and I panicked when she started crying. I didn't have any financial training in how to deal with a crying client, so I just promised her that I would help her create a plan. I assured her that we would work through everything and come up with solutions. I know, I should have added a disclaimer to that promise, but she was crying. I decided on the spot that we would come up with a solution. Since then, I've bought tissues, because although she was the first to cry in my office, she certainly hasn't been the last. It's a human reaction. When we feel overwhelmed and hopeless, we show emotion. So we are going to begin here. If you are panicking about your money, you're in the right place. If you are ashamed, know that there isn't any judgment in this book. Look up. Be brave. Figure out where you are financially, and then you can create a solution. Where do you begin? I believe that the only way to create a workable plan is to know where you are financially. To make this possible, I want you to begin by tracking what you spend each month. I don't care how you log your spending, whether it's a phone app, a notebook, or your laptop. I want you to write down every single thing you buy, no matter how small, and I don't want you to judge yourself while you do it. Additionally, it's not just you. Everyone in your household should participate. Include your spouse or partner and any children. Everyone should write down their spending, however insignificant it is. We're going to use this data for many things, including how to get out of debt, create an emergency fund, determine your retirement needs, and evaluate life insurance. These exercises will fall apart if you don't know how much you and your family spend. At the end of the month, I want you to categorize your expenses. So utilities would be a category, as would groceries, rent, car payments, eating out, etc. Some of your categories will be fixed, while other groupings could be adjusted if needed. If you shop at a superstore, try to break your bill between household needs groceries, and items you just wanted. If you're like most people, you will look at the categories at the end of the month and tell me that this month wasn't truly representative of what you usually spend. 
Okay, then just to be sure, I want you to track your spending for a second month, or maybe even a third. Additionally, you will want to take holidays, birthdays, and vacations into account. These costs only occur periodically, and they can be overlooked. You want your cash flow analysis to be accurate. Having a clear image of how much you spend, even if it's higher than you would like, can be freeing. Now you know where you are. With this knowledge, you no longer have to fear your money. No more tears. No looking down. You can begin to prosper. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Ask Peggy segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. Before we get into today's question, I'd like to remind you that you can submit a show by going to askpeggy.com. That's A-S-K-P-E-G-G-Y.com. You'll also be able to find a link on that site to order the book when it's available. I wrote the book that I read you the first chapter from in the last section because I think that women have not only all of the traditional financial needs that you have, but some more specific concerns that they tend to deal with more. And I thought a long time before I wrote a book for women but women are usually the caregiver of both their parents and their children. And I know, guys, a lot of you are doing this too. But women have actually a lower earning cap because of the time out of the workplace that they've spent because they've served in the caregiver world. Additionally, women are more likely to be left widowed than men are left widowered, if that's a word. And women tend to struggle more with the settlement after a divorce than men do, financially only. And so there's a section in this book about surviving widowhood and divorce. Women also tend to start more small businesses than men do. And I think that this is partly a reaction to having the flexibility to juggle that caregiving that they're having to do in addition to wanting to earn some money. So there's a section on starting your own business. Now, of course, there's things that I believe every human being needs to know about money. I talked about those in my first book, 52 Weeks to Prosperity. So I summarized some of it at the beginning of 52 Weeks to Wellbeing. I didn't want people having to buy my first book because there were things they needed to know before they could read the second book. Because when I buy a book, that just always irritates me to death. So you can purchase 52 Weeks to Wellbeing as a standalone. It will be fine. Obviously, on basic financial planning topics, 52 Weeks to Prosperity is the better book. In addition to providing the text, I have characters at the end of each chapter who have different demographic characteristics, and they react to the information that they read. And then to take it even further, I have exercises that you can complete to help you apply what we talked about. The chapters are super short. You saw that. Now, the first chapter might be a little shorter than average, but none of them are long. 
And it's called 52 Weeks because I designed both books to read one chapter a week and then you're done in a year. That way you're not sitting down with a whole personal finance book that might not be your favorite thing to do and really not want to have to read the thing. You know, just read four or five pages a week and you'll get there. So enough about the information. Like I said, right now, it is still not available for pre-order. I'm hoping that's solved by next Monday, and I'm going to let you guys know in case you wanted to pre-order. The question for today is something that I hear discussed often. I've been asked, and I have um, maybe an interesting take on it. The question is, Peggy, this is Mother's Day, and then depending on the mindset of the person who's talking to me, it usually has something to do with, you know, these are these are all just commercial gimmicks, and they just want us to spend money, so I don't want to do anything. Do you think that's okay? My answer to that is actually, no, I don't. Okay, so here's the thing. First of all, this is not limited to mothers. This is anyone who served in a mothering capacity in your life. So it might be an aunt, it might be a grandparent, it might be a best friend's mom, it could even be a guy, okay? But you want to celebrate that person who took care of you when you were throwing up because that's just gross and that person deserves a holiday. But you don't have to go buy a really expensive card if you don't want to. I think the thing that irritates people is the financial component of it, and they feel like they're being had. So, you know, if you don't want to buy a card, don't buy a card at all. Maybe make a card. Maybe give a small gift. Man, as expensive as cards are, you can give a little something and spend less than you could on a card. You can, if you don't want to deal with the crowds going out to the restaurant, you can cook. Mom would love for you to cook dinner for her. Or you could take her out for a picnic. I am such a picnic fan because picnics are a great way to save a ton of money, but they're special. So it's going out to a favorite place, like a state park, okay? This does not have to be a lot. And you can grill or you can take sandwiches or go more upscale and do like cheese and crackers. Really, it's whatever you think mom would like, but you can get out of it without spending a lot of money. And you don't have to buy her an expensive gift. You could make a coupon worth a couple of hours of your time on a Saturday if she's got a project that she needs to work on and she needs four hands. You know, mom doesn't even need to be elderly for her to need four hands. And especially if she's living by herself, sometimes those four-handed projects get super overwhelming and would be way more appreciated than a bottle of perfume that she doesn't like. You can go into any grocery store and buy $5, $10 bouquets of flowers. It doesn't need to be two dozen roses. But the important thing is remember your mom. Remember the love that that person showed to you. Remember, they were with you when you were throwing up. If you were very little 
they helped clean you up when you got dirty. So it really is good to take one day a year <laughs> at least and celebrate mom. Because if you take the time to appreciate her, I guarantee she will love it. It's so important. I have talked to half a dozen people this week and we all are saying, why is, why is nobody nice anymore? So this is your opportunity to be nice. Additionally, I've got some events coming up. If you would like for me to sign books or you want to see me in person, on June 3rd, I'll be at the book sale at Book Lovers Con in Houston. On June 10th, I'll be at Best of Books at an author panel. And on June 23rd, I'll be at Dear Clan at an author panel. So I'll remind you of these dates as we're going forward, but right now it's June 3rd, 10th, and 23rd. If you'd like to come see me, I'd love to meet you and sign a book or just talk with you. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 and Norman for production and studio assistance. You may submit personal finance questions to the Ask Peggy Facebook page and learn more at PeggyDoviak.com. And remember, prosperity is so much more than money.